Okay, I just got it. I haven't done this for a while. Can you hear me? I can. Okay, I just haven't done this for a, a little bit. Hello. Shit. Oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I, um... You look like yeah, the devil. I know. I don't know what's going on. Um, it's cool. I, um, cut, you know, I cut my own hair and the last time I did it, I was really not happy with the results. Like, obviously I missed some spots. <laughs> How do you cut your own hair? Like what uh, do you do at the back? I have like the buzzer thing. Oh yeah. So I, I can, you know, I just sort of feel, I just sort of do it by feel in just the back. You look like you're shampooing your hair. Yeah. Like you, you're miming, you're miming oh, the way uh, that you cut your hair and it looks like shampooing. So you, you look great. Then, Hello, Eric <laughs> Kovatek. Welcome to the Ponytail Show. Oh, wait. Have we start? Are we starting? We start. We, we oh, started shit. since since you checked yourself out in the oh, camera. Oh, shit. <laughs> Is that in the show? <laughs> <laughs> I can cut that bit out, but it'll make people even more curious. Or maybe Yeah, not. whatever whatever maybe works. People don't care. I'm not very I'm not too uptight about how stupid I look. Good morning. It's nine thirty in New York. Yeah, in New York time. Also the lighting in here is a little bit weird. It's kinda you, cloudy today. So So you look very like soft. Muted. Something. I also didn't sleep very much last night, so these are all my excuses for looking horrible. That's okay. Just lay them out. All just lay them out in front of us like a buffet. And I also felt like I was having a heart attack this morning because you were so excited to be on my podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I had this like horrible pain in my in my chest, and I was deciding like, is this like what is this? You know, what's this horrible pain? And I was thinking like, should I like pre-dial 911 on my phone? <laughs> I feel like, <laughs> yeah, you, but you like work out and stuff. You heart, I feel like your heart would be pretty, in pretty good I, I shape. Actually, I just, I just had an op, I had a, I had to go to the hospital for, you know, like kind of a, a routine thing. And they did a, they did that EKG thing. Mm. And my heart is like perfect. I have perfect. a perfect heart. They told me. Wow. Like, so, and then the, you thought the you, EKG, had, you were having a heart attack. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It was just, it was just like a weird pain. Mm. Maybe I was Breakfast. having like a, yeah, I was, maybe I was just, yeah, I was just stressed out about this show. <laughs> or it was breakfast. Well, it's very nice that you are so stressed out about my show. Cause you, it means to me, it means that you take it really seriously, which you should because it's a big yeah. deal to be yeah. on my show. And yeah. well, I am equally as um, excited to talk to you about the theme of this new batch of Ponytail Podcasts, which is about meaning and purpose. Meaning and purpose. I think I like... I think I just dropped that in there, like in a few texts, but. I think the pain in my chest just came back. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Sorry about that. But like, I mean, we've talked about, we've, we've like, get, we've danced around this kind of subject in previous podcasts. Um, I think we did have one episode all about failure, which is a beautiful yeah. lead up to this. Now I feel like, if, if people want to listen back to our failure podcast, you can go back and do that before you listen to this one, which could be more about failure if it has to do with finding purpose and meaning in life. Yeah. But so like the reason why I've decided to theme this new batch of podcasts about purpose and meaning is because like I totally had a little moment this year of just completely – thinking that I've lost purpose and meaning because um, like here I mean you know this but maybe other people don't know this but we had a pretty long lockdown 
in Asia. Like a lot of countries in Asia and in Australia and New Zealand, Japan, like we all experienced some pretty hardcore Delta wave. Um, and then on top of that, many um, countries here in South Asia, Southeast Asia are not equipped with vaccines um, like the rest of maybe the rest of the world. Yeah. Um, so we got a real slow trickle down effect of getting vaccines over here. So it was just like, yeah, I, I had just like a, the first time in a long time where like I, I love working, I love my job like you and I just couldn't because, you know, everything was at a complete standstill. And it like really like threw me off. It com it actually completely threw me off as a person. And like I just, for the first time in a long time, I just didn't know. I thought like, yeah, if I don't have my job, which I love, which is a lot of my life, like who am I? Like, and when you say your job, you're talking specifically my, about your clothing. My clothing. Line. I guess, but like, also like you just couldn't go anywhere. You can yeah. do stuff. So it was just like, I didn't have my camera. I'd like to take photos. Like, mm -hmm. you know, you're just like racking your brain about like, what is it that makes, gives me purpose and meaning in life. And I'm sure like a lot of people went through this during the last couple of years, but like when it really hits home and it's like, hits you, you you deeply within like it, it can be quite shifting and shattering at the same time yeah how I, like I mean I know we've chatted about this with with your work would you feel like up to like talking about your situation yeah yeah I mean my situation I guess kind of is like yours I mean my whole job came to a grinding halt because you know it's sort of not just photography but it's tied into traveling to to take photos and um it, it i mean suddenly it went from you know i think january february march 2020 i'd been in like you know four or five different countries mm. and done four or five photo shoots and then suddenly that just at least i went out with a bang but yeah. suddenly it, you know suddenly it was completely just like, you know, not even slowing down. It was just like hitting a brick wall. And, mm -hmm. um, I, I actually thought I would have been much more depressed <laughs> and, and, and like disturbed than I was. I, I think I, to my credit, I handled it fairly well, you know, like I didn't really get, I don't remember getting like super bummed out or super, um, but it just, but then it just kept dragging on and dragging on. And, mm -hmm. you know, I had like some jobs here and there, luckily, I was able to go to Turkey a few times for, mm. you know, my client there. And, um, which to explain but, to people maybe who wouldn't know is like, at, especially last year, Turkey was like one of the only countries that were actually letting people come. Yeah. Their government was, I think was basically just like, screw it. Like, mm. you know, like the first time I went there, we, we didn't even have to get COVID tests to go. Yeah. And, and, but the last time I went, you had to, it, to do one photo shoot, I had to get five COVID tests in the course oh, of man. about a week. Like, so, the, so they, they, they improved their deal, but, um, but yeah, then it was weird. It was weird to go there and it was almost like normal. I could sit at a bar and eat at a restaurant and then to come back to New York and then it's still like total lockdown. Mm. So I was lucky that I got to work a little bit, but um, you know, I could see online, everybody was suddenly shooting in studios and, Mm. Um, which I didn't, you know, I didn't do, <laughs> or I yeah. don't really do. It so, sucks. It yeah. sucks when you yeah. like suddenly like, or you're kind of really limited to like one particular set of parameters. But in saying that, like, I mean, some really creative people can like do, do wonders with small parameters, but like, let's go. I want to dig into your growing up, where you came from, uh, and like, yeah, I think we need to like start from the very beginning. T 
to like, we might have touched on this in the failure episode, but I feel like we didn't go into much detail and we got sidetracked a lot. Um, But yeah, I think like it would be interesting to like follow your kind of life path properly without distractions and like figure out like, I feel like you're, your identity and your work is very meaningful and purposeful. And, like, I'd really like to figure out, like, why. Because there's, like, a bajillion photographers out in the world. <laughs> yeah, yeah especially like, these days. <laughs> especially, especially these days, thanks digital photography. Yeah. And, like, you know, there is so much that separates your work from the bajillion gazillion other photographers out there. And I'm really, I'm really curious about like how you formed the way you see the world, which is very wow. unique. <laughs> wow. Now, yeah, now my Let's chest really hurts. Dive- <laughs> <laughs> Let's peel back the layers of Eric's psyche. <laughs> um, well, I guess, yeah. So, you know, I, my, when I was, I, I mean, like, with you growing up, like where did you grow up? up? So yes, I grew up mostly in Ohio and a little bit in Georgia. And, you know, it's not like we weren't like, it's not like we were poor per se, but my dad, my dad was often trying to be an op- entrepreneur and, and, and start his own businesses. And often that didn't work out. So we actually moved, we moved almost every two years of my childhood um, because back in, back in the olden days before computers, you know, you could like move to a different state and your, your credit would sort of not follow you. Like, you know, like you, you could, like in the old days, you could have like as many driver's licenses as you wanted because this from state to state, they didn't, no, because like had, who's gonna like dig through like billions of literal yeah. pa- paper files? Did you just crack yeah. open a beer? Is yeah, the pressure's <laughs> the pressure's already getting to <laughs> you me. You just went from coffee to beer in like and two my, minutes. My my self haircut <laughs> is disturbing me, and I'm and sorry the lighting's dis- I'm so the lighting's disturbing. I'm very disturbed right now, but um. <laughs> So we, we, as a result, you know, we, we moved a lot and I had a great child. I wouldn't trade my childhood for anything. Um, I, you know, I had a lot of freedom. Um, we often lived in kind of rural, um, you know, areas. I didn't have a lot of adult supervision, you know, especially in the summers. Um, but you know, we moved almost every two years. So I was constantly like meeting, you know, the new kid in school and, you know, making friends, losing friends. And, and honestly, at some point I, I just got tired of that process and I stopped making friends and my parents hate these, especially my mom hates these interviews. Cause she's like, you know, that's not what your childhood was like. And I'm like, yeah, kind of was. <laughs> that's how you remember it. Yeah. Memory, yeah. Yeah. I you mean, know, like memory is very relative to, yeah. I mean, there's it's stuff that beholder. happened that I don't think my mom even remembers or, or, you know, she, I think she blocked it out of her head. Um, but, but we, you know, but that's, you know, so, so I had this experience where it was like constantly being the new guy and like literally first day of school, like everybody had to fight you, you know, and no teachers didn't stop it. Like you'd, you'd literally have eight guys punching at me. And it's like you, the like it's like nature deciding what the high, the dominance hierarchy is going to be. Yeah, no, nobody was trying to kill me, but it was just a way to test the new guy. Like, mm. what's he made where of? Is he, you know, and where does he fit in? Yeah, or or maybe just or doesn't fit maybe in. Maybe he doesn't. Yeah, and um, so what? But what that taught me was was you know I think improvising. Mm. Um, adjusting to you know different situations um it it i can almost see like a, you know especially on photo shoots like you know because you're you're thrust into this new place you've never been before mm-hmm. you have to figure it out very quickly you have to figure out who your allies are 
who your enemies are, you know, mm. and, and, um, it, and I think it allowed me to, it, 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 you know, we lived in like a suburb, we lived in a city, we lived in a country. We, it, I think it allowed me to relate to a, a pretty good variety of people and empathize with them. Whereas, you know, had I maybe lived in the same place my whole childhood and had this like, you know, group of friends, I might have not been so open to other people's condition, you know? Yeah. Um, so I can, you know, I, 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 that, that's basically where I'm coming from, I guess. Um, What's well, interesting, but like you and I, like I also moved around quite a bit um, as a kid and like, you know, we both have siblings too. And I feel like my, my sister dealt with it in a very different way than I did. Yeah. Would that no, be the same? Yeah. Yeah. My brother, my brother, other than the fact that we look similar, um, <laughs> at least our faces, <laughs> he, I think his memory of our child is like completely different. He was just, just being a year younger. I don't think he realized some of the stuff that was going on. Um, and he, by the time I gave up making friends, he had actually found a group, you know, he had a group of friends and he just having those friends for a year, like an extra year, I think made a huge difference. Like, so he's like a much more, I guess, sort of normally adjusted, um, person with, you know, friends and, and, um, society. Yeah. And like not nearly as traumatized, I think, as I was. <laughs> So, so as a result of like not making friends, I was actually like, when I went to college, I was like pretty, pretty miserable. You know, I, I really hated people. Um, cause a lot of my experience with people was, you know, getting punched at and, mm, that's and shitty. you know, like one time on the school bus, somebody literally punched me in the back of the head and, and knocked me out. That's for, you know, really shitty. And these girls are like, Eric, it's your stop. Like, you got to <laughs> get off the bus. I'm picturing like a really punky, a punky Eric. Is that, is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. I was, I was like, definitely um, like a punk rocker. I, I didn't really consider myself a punk rocker cause that would have meant I had a group of punk yeah, rock I friends. I, but I listened, I listened, I weirdly, I listened to punk rock and um, like old blues songs and old like country Western songs. It was kind of a weird mix of things to be into, but um yeah, I had, you know, I had obviously had tattoos and back then it was not a normal thing to have. And, you know, I was fucking up my what hair back first, then. What was your first tattoo? Um, I had a skull with a mohawk. <laughs> <laughs> and it, I, I had drawn it and I got somebody to put it on there, but it was, it, I eventually covered over it because it, it, I, I kind of wish I had it now. But Sounds sick. Especially it, if you drew it yourself. Yeah, it, it. I think eventually I got, I needed the space, I think. So I just was like, you know, screw that tattoo. I'll cover over it. But um, so I went, so I went to the uh, college in the University of New Mexico because it was the, it was literally the cheapest school I could find. And I'll, I'll get, I'm going to get a little bit on my, uh, I don't want to get political, but you know, like, you I can, made a by all like, means. I, I made a decision back then. I was like, I want to go to college mostly because I wanted to meet girls, but I, I wanted to go to college and I, I literally, you know, I basically paid for it myself. My family, of course, helped me some, but, you know, but I made a conscious decision to go to the cheapest school that mm. I could find and did not qualify for student loans. I worked the, the whole way through college. So that, when I see now, nowadays, it seems like people just think that college should just be like handed to them, you know, like, like there's this. Mm, I mean, yeah, let's try, let's dive into this argument just on a little side note. Like, I mean, like, do you mean like absolutely free college, no student loan or well, do you? I think it should be, it should be free, but, but I, I guess I have to correct myself. What I mean is I, I see people going to these like really expensive college, like really expensive yeah. private schools that I don't believe they can afford it. 
Mm, and absolutely. I don't, I don't know if, well, school, it's different in different countries. Like in the United States, it's incredibly expensive. It's scary expensive. Like yeah. I found out about like how, you know, how much some kind of some, how much student loan people have on average. And yeah. it is like absolutely frightening like to yeah. just like go into adulthood after you've just finished studying and like to be expected to like a try and live a normal life like and save money to like you know people have this expectation of like okay aiming for buying their own house and like you know having a family and all that stuff like while you have an impossible amount of student yeah. debt is just and like, if you're like a, a doctor I, it's it's like I don't I mean, could it be a million dollars maybe to get a medical degree I to become a doctor? Probably. Like, who knows? You know, because I think it's their college is like, I don't know, what, $100,000 a year or something. Yeah. That's terrifying. So if, I mean, <laughs> like, so everybody thinks all these doctors are rich, which they, eventually they might be, but I mean, there's so much debt. So, anyways, my, I think what I'm, I feel like, I feel like people, some people, expect well what you know what I mean, that does you it like when something is so exorbitantly expensive to be educated um to aim high with the intention of aiming higher and you know pursuing f fulfilling work or work that will push you in some way it just it just makes such a huge divide between the rich and the people who can't afford yeah. it, that yeah. it suddenly becomes just like a luxury that is unreachable for a huge pocket of a huge amount of the pop yeah. population. I mean, at this point in time, I think it's at least in the United States, it's kind of a luxury. Absolutely. Well, to like, go to a good yeah. school. <laughs> I mean, like where it it's such a drastic difference where where I was living like before in France, where you know education is pretty much free and like and the standard of education is so high it is actually yeah. quite astounding um that's like you know the other extreme i would say uh but yeah like it i think i think yeah education and the the option for it shouldn't be so out of reach for like you know in yeah. in a like in a country that is the world superpower which that's quite yeah. astounding i think there's like statistics where we're like you know one of the wealthiest countries yet we have mm. like you know highest infant one of the higher infant mortality rates and yeah. you know lower lower education you know yeah. rates. <laughs> i mean like i'm no expert on these kind of statistics but what like I really do enjoy with this podcast is just sharing like different people's point of view different people's life situations from all different like parts yeah. of the world or different prof professions it does happen to be like in a pocket like a focusing on creative people because that's yeah. the world that I exist in but like it is pretty amazing to compare just things like, um, yeah, medical in America, medical insurance. Um, the fact that like friends of mine who live in America will do everything to avoid going to seek medical help when they need it. Yeah. Um, just because of the absolute sheer fear of the insane medical bills that they will, you know, get. Um, so whereas, yeah. Yeah, go ahead. So when I was, well, speaking of, of which, so when I was, um, you know, maybe 10 years ago, I was, um, I was flying around. I was flying a lot for, you know, for work. I, I just flown to Italy and I, I ended up with the flu and then pneumonia on top of the flu. And I was in the hospital for, I think a week. And my, my hospital bill for just the hospital, like, not the doctors, just the physical hospital was $30,000. Oh my God. And the, the, that didn't, that didn't include the doctors. It was just the bill, like the building and I guess the drugs, whatever. 
Yeah. And, um, I didn't have health insurance and, um, you know, I had to pay it back. I had to pay it back, you know, Damn. over time. Yeah. Um, that's scary. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it was expensive. You know, it, mm. it, 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 negate, it, you know, the next couple of jobs were basically like working for free, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, so yeah, yeah, it's a weird system. Um, yeah. That's good. <laughs> so like, like we've established that as growing up, you moved around a lot, which like, you know, which I see like, um, attributes itself to the way you are easily like, you know, quite flexible in new unknown situations and circumstances, like being in new places in the world, strange places in the world, which you are accustomed to being in. And also, yeah, like you decided to go to art school in New Mexico. Yeah. Um, that kind of brings me up to, I mean, we're skipping a little bit and we're going to move to photography um, because I do know that you started photography more as like a documentary with the intention of being like a documentary, more of a like reportage kind of photographer. Yeah. Um, and I do remember that you did kind of like tell us a lot of stories of the early days um, and how you started working for 45 RPM um, through the shots the trip that you went to in Indonesia um, mm -hmm. and you documented um, people during a conflict back, this would have been what, the 90s? I, I think it's 1999. Um, mm. It was that, it was the conflict that was, I think in that, that sort of, there's like a, a kind of a documentary about, about, I think it's called making a, is it called making a murderer or it's, mm. it's like, they got the real guys that were doing the genocide to like portray themselves in a fake movie. I don't know if you've fascinated. I feel like, um, it was that, it was that conflict. It was the same mm -hmm. time as that. So like, let's go to you and how you see photography at that point of time in your life. What was photography for you like what is documentary photography what were you intending to do by going on that trip so you know when I went to my fancy art school in New Mexico um I was there for drawing um I wasn't there for photography and I think I told you before I took a, like the one photo class I took that the, the teacher completely like ripped like the first day of class you're supposed to put up your like photos you've already yeah. done and he like just completely ripped into them like was in front of the whole class was like these photos suck I think he just didn't like me he didn't maybe my you know I might have like been a little bit cocky punky. or punky and he just ripped in in front of the whole class just completely ripped into me like yeah beyond my photography was basically saying that you suck. <laughs> it was some sort of, I think some kind of male, he, he felt like he needed to put me in my place. You know, it was some kind it's of male a, energy thing. It's his version of beating you up on the first day of class. The old, the old cowboy <laughs> photographer had to put the, the young, um, you know, the young the, punk. The novice. Yeah. Then the young punk in his place. Yeah. What do you know, punk? It was exact. It was just like that, you know, like, um, <laughs> so that was my introduct. That was my, like one of my only experiences taking photography in college, just being like shredded. Um, <laughs> character building. Yeah. 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 I mean, you know, and I, I, I was like, okay, I wasn't, I didn't, I didn't get mad. I was just like, okay, that's, that's your opinion. And, mm. and I stayed in the class, you know, and uh, I think we ended up kind of being somewhat friendly, but um, you know, I didn't, I didn't go to college. I didn't, you know, my, my feeling was, I know I'm not, I'm not taking this class to have my ass kissed, you know, like mm. I, I, I want to learn something. Like I want, yeah. when you walk into a classroom, you're sort of assuming that you don't know everything, you know? So yeah. it's like, it's like, it's humbling. Tell me, yeah. Tell me that I suck. Tell me that I'm an idiot and then teach me something. And that's, you know, mm. that's kind of what happened. You know, like there was another class I took, I took watercolor painting and Sick. all, 
all the, literally every person in the class was like 70 years old. <laughs> and I walked in and I think I had a mohawk and sleeveless t-shirt and tattoos. And, and the teacher literally said to me, he's like, are you sure you want to take this class? I think you're in the wrong class. And I'm like, no, I wanna, I'm here to paint watercolors. <laughs> and, and I ended up making friends with a, with a survivor of Pearl Harbor. And wow. so it was like me and this like 70 year old guy were like best friends in the class. And, and he would just tell me stories about, you know, Pearl Harbor surviving the attack and, and, wow. and, um, you know, I think he reminded me of my grandfather and I probably reminded him of a grandson, you know, there, there was some sort of, mm. you know, that kind of dynamic. And, uh, yeah. you know, it was one of my favorite classes in my whole college experience. And it was some class that the, the teacher thought I didn't even belong in, <laughs> you know. That's so but, nice. Yeah. And, and my watercolor sucked compared to all the <laughs> other people. I was like the worst person in the class. And you know, how do you and, like, but how do you suck at watercolor? I mean, like, okay, sure. You can like technically suck at it, but like going to art school, like it's not just all about technique. Yeah. Well, watercolor painting is actually very, it's very, it's, it's probably the most difficult style of painting because you can't cover it up. Like, like mm. you're committed, you know, it's like, maybe it's sort of like a, almost like a Zen uh, approach to painting like like an oil painting or you can mm. you can you know once it dries you can cover it up oh, and fix your mistakes yeah. but in in watercolor painting is it's very unforgiving like you, you can't really paint over what mm. you screwed up so it's you're like kind of committed and um so i think that's what i kind of liked about it like you're yeah. it's 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 it, it's less time consuming but it's also less forgiving you know you're kind of um you're kind it's of locked like, in and you kind of like it's almost like like a sport where you have to be really well practiced to have that muscle memory so you don't screw up so much all the yeah, time I mean, knowing knowing what <clears throat> knowing how much water you know i don't know it's 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 but it was it was it was you know it was it was uh it, it was a good experience you know and um yeah but what, what was the real question <laughs> First, before um, I ask the real question, is that like a wooden, is that like an old driftwood looking skateboard on the, that, on the wall it, behind you? Yeah, it's, it's a real skateboard and it's somebody left it, left it in their backyard for tw 20 years. So it's, it's an unrideable skateboard, but it's like, uh, I'll, I'll show you. It's, it looks beautiful. It's, it's pretty like amazing. Yeah. Yeah. But my question was back to the photography well, question was <laughs> we like at the point in time where oh, you well, wanted was, yeah. when you wanted to be like a reportage documentary yeah. photographer yeah. like what was the purpose of documentary photography for you was it just like a tool or was it like more of a art form so like, so why? i was in that college for drawing and um I kind of realized towards the end that I didn't want to be sitting behind a desk drawing, you know, and I was thinking, but I still wanted to be kind of an artist. And I realized that, that being a photographer, specifically a documentary photographer, you know, could allow me to travel. Mm. And I ended up taking, so the last year I took uh, political science classes because I wanted to learn about politics you know, around the globe. Mm. And so my plan was to be a, like a, you know, a doc, like a, uh, you know, whatever you call it. A, a documentary photographer. A documentary photographer. Yeah. And um, yeah. And, but, but I didn't really know how to do that. You know, I, so I took, you know, I could take photos and I could, I had a basic understanding of, of world politics after taking that class and, uh, you know, several classes and, you know, I graduated, but I didn't know how to do that job. So of course mm. I ended up, I ended up doing, um, you know, I worked in Alaska in the fishing industry and I worked construction in California and I, um, you know, I ended up back in New Mexico, um, basically working at a coffee shop. <laughs> I like that you've done, like, you just listed like 
just some really great, like to me, great jobs too uh, for meeting people and for yeah. like yeah. for being in, again, being in like real different situations, job yeah. to job. Well, working in Alaska is probably one of my favorite things I've ever done because it, it yeah. was really like. Tell me um, about that. I've never, so, actually, you've never told me about that. It, it was, um, it was one of the few ways that you could really make a lot of money in, in a mm. short amount of time back then, at least that I knew of. Um, it's cause you work like, you work like, um, 18 hours a day, seven days a week for, you know, the entire fishing season, which is basically the whole summer. And it was, I, I, I needed, I, I'd done so many like crappy jobs making no money that I finally was like, okay, now this summer I'm going to actually make some money. And, um, but yeah, it's intense. I mean, it's, it's like you, you, you get, you know, you get up there and as soon as you get near the, before you even see the town, you smell the, this mm. incredible fish smell from miles away. You're like, what's that smell? And then you get to the town and it's just these, these giant like canneries and processing plants. And the, the smell is, wow. the smell is really kind of overpowering. And, you know, eventually after a few days, you don't even smell it anymore. But, um, I, I got a job on like a troubleshooting crew. So I had to, I had to know how to do every job in the, in the processing plant. Um, so I, you know, one minute I might be unloading fish and then the next minute I might be like actually grading the quality of salmon, um, or then driving a forklift or like unloading a boat. So, you know, it was, it was, it was intense. I mean, it, you know, one of the, one of my friends there died, um, wow. while we were working another one, you know, um, cut his head open on like, you know, another one, um, another guy got beat up in a fight so bad. He had to be like flown to Seattle. Um, he got in a fight with this like Samoan guy <laughs> and basically got like, you know, half beat to death. And, um, but it was, it was, it was, you know, it was, it was a, definitely like a challenge, like, you mm. know, but, but then I say that, but then there'd be like a 90 pound girl working next to you doing the same job you're doing. So it, it wasn't, yeah. you know, it, it, Hey, there's like, but there's like, that's the thing about like toughness and resilience is like, I don't think the physical build of like being big and strong is necessarily yeah. the, the epitome of being a resilient, tough person. I mean, yeah, no, no, they, they were, there was a lot of females and, and they, yeah, they were tough. Sick. I mean, my, my point is it would like, you know, I had some macho fantasy of being like a tough guy working in Alaska and then it would get like shattered, you know. By all the ladies. Yeah. Wow. But so that, that, that was, yeah, I still have some of my, you know, I still have like incredible memories of that because you just see like the weirdest, you'd see like a 40 foot long, jellyfish floating by you know in the weird. middle of the night or or like um so were, wait hold on is this on a boat or is this on land no, it's on a, on a dock on a, mm. on a on land um did i just say land or lamb <laughs> lambed land on land and um yeah but yeah it wasn't it wasn't like working on you know like a fishing boat which would it have been even more intense i suppose um, but, uh, yeah, yeah seasickness sea is like a next level experience. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't usually get seasick luckily. Um, yeah. but, um, but then, you know, you, there were, it, it was almost like fake. Cause you'd be like walking down the street and there's a bear and there's a bald eagle and, you know, it, yeah. it was almost like, like out of, you know, like not I real. Feel like there's been so many like situations in your life where it's just like oh yeah this is what happens in the movies and I'm here like yeah. I felt like that like when we were in Nepal and stuff like it just sometimes you're just so out of your own like context that everything just feels like it's in a dream or a movie yeah. I mean, Nepal is yeah, definitely like that. Mongolia is like really like mm. that where it's just so, um, different than mm. what we're kind of used to. Um, yeah. 
so so I had this idea that yeah I had this idea that being a documentary photographer would be cool and allow me to travel and it it I didn't know how to do it so I was when I went to Indonesia I was sort of just training myself mm. you know sort of like okay let's just let's just let's just go try it you know I so I gave mm. myself like my own assignment and I was you know I had to pay for my own hotels but but I was kind of learning how to do it and and yeah mm -hmm. that that taught me a lot because I mean I would I would walk in unbeknownst to me then there was this like like a not a war but you know this conflict so everything was you know thrown out the window I mean any anything that a guidebook said was was irrelevant mm -hmm. because there were no tourists and there were no um foreign other foreigners and um you know, towns that were supposed to be like thriving, you know, uh, you know, cultural little towns were, 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 were empty and, and, you know, almost like tumbleweeds blowing down the street, mm. you know? So it kind of, I, I had to just do a lot of improvising and a lot of, um, you know, figuring out like, okay, well, what mm. do I do? So I just started documenting this, you know, the, the people and, and and the local people that had no choice, they couldn't leave, you know? Mm. And um, yeah. And, and, and like you said, that led to shooting for 45 RPM. So uh, although I never really became a documentary photographer, you know, as a career, it, 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 it led into this, you know, fashion photography. Fashion documentary photography. Yeah. Let's say, I feel yeah, like, I mean, well, like, I'm just going to just cut in here and say, like, that's where you carved your niche in photography and what separates you amongst many other qualities um, from so many other photographers or fashion photographers or fashion photography is like this documentary style approach to shooting fashion, which is yeah very unique yeah and, yeah. and was, has been copied like as you like became more and more like you know as you like developed your process and and did and worked that way more and more so many people like went and copied or not cop copy is a hard word but yeah used your work as quote-unquote reference for yeah their yeah. stuff yeah. I, well, when, when, you know, 45 RPM first asked me to do that, there, I don't think, I don't think that that was so common. I mean, there were, mm. there were other, obviously there were other people that had used like non-professional models and, um, but the aesthetic that we sort of created, I think was fairly unique. And like, like, like you said, it in, influenced, you know, a lot of other brands and, and, and that look that, um, yeah, so that, that was something I, I guess that I, you know, sort yeah. of created. But yeah, also, like, I'm so like, like when I, go. when I say that, even like when I say that I'm a fashion photographer, I, I almost hesitate saying it because it, it's you know, a weird I think word. And, and, and some people, I, you know, I think like some like high fashion, like, like, you know, sometimes those people look at my photos and I think, I think they just think that they suck. Like they don't get it or something. Like I literally, I literally believe that they look at my photos and just think that they're they horrible. Must, they, <laughs> well, they would, they must be really not cool and they don't, they don't get coolness, but it's all <laughs> relative. And that's the cool, that's the beauty of it too. Is that like things that some people think are cool, Maybe others don't. But, like, as you, I think to me, and I don't want to put words in your mouth, but to me, like, a huge part of how you find meaning from the tool of photography is actually, like, as you keep repeating, is, like, a tool for traveling, a tool for opening doors. And more and more importantly to me is, like, it's a tool for meeting people and connecting with yeah. people like yeah. number one thing about Eric Kvartek in my eyes is like you 
connect with people. You love connecting with people in so many different ways and so many kinds of people. And that's like the real beauty of your work, your photography, is that like that really shows. And like you can't just like put that shit together, you know? Yeah. Wow. That's that's very, very eloquent and kind way of saying that. And, but I think, I think that goes back. So when I started the, when I was in that college, you know, university of New Mexico and in Albuquerque and um, you know, when I entered it, I was this angry young guy who was sick of making, you know, one didn't want to make friends and kind of hated, kind of hated people like, like seriously yeah. kind of, kind of hated people Thanks because my, my, my experience with people was, was, you know, getting you know punched at and punched in the back of the head on the school bus you know and mm. but at some point in those three whatever how many ever year th- I was there three years and four, four years and so at some point in the middle of that I I, I made a conscious conscious decision I I was like do I want to continue being this like angry person or do I want to be or do happy? you want to <laughs> or do you want to paint watercolors with yeah. that with a vet who, yeah. who witnessed Pearl Harbor. Yeah. Do I, yeah. do I want to be open-minded and, and, and I, you know, and I made it, this, I, you know, it's whatever I was 20, like, let's say I was whatever, 20 years old. And I made this decision to, I want to be, I don't want to be miserable, you know? Mm. And, and I, and I, and so I dropped, I dropped, I was so, mis- I dropped out of one of the semesters and was, you know, not sure what to do. And I made this decision, okay, I'm going to go back and I'm going to be like a, a more well-adjusted friendly guy. And, and, it, you know, I, and I, and it kind of, I guess it kind of worked. I started, I started like mountain biking and rock climbing <laughs> and, and, um, you know, just, just, just not being nearly so intense and, um, mm. you know, not to say that I'm completely transformed because I still sort of have, you know, sometimes I have a little bit of a dark side, Yeah, edge. the dark side's <laughs> just as important. Maybe you were yeah. all dark back then and you just like brought a bit of light to balance out the, yeah. make that complete. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and so that, that decision kind of allowed me to, um, yeah. So on photo shoots, it, 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 I, I can bring out that lighter side of me and, 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 you know, meet people and relate to people mm. and, you know, people that only know you from photo shoots think that I'm like this, like really like sort of outgoing <laughs> friendly guy. Whereas, I mean, in private, I'm still much, much quieter and, and mm. shy. And, and, and I really, I don't talk to a lot of people in my normal daily life. Like mm. I'll go, um, you know, I remember going like, weeks without talking to anybody you know yeah um which just like uh, reinforces to me how photography is really your tool that forces you in a situation where you do need to like seek out connect like connection with a bunch of strangers for your job but Mm -hmm. you do so in a really nice way you like you keep you maintain these friendships like for so many years, like you have so many like really meaningful friendships from, from photo shoots that you've done like, you know, recently or like, well, 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 like decades ago. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I I think my approach to photography, it's not just like, okay, this is a job. This is the one job and this one model and, or whoever, and I don't, I'm never going to see these people again. And where's my next paycheck? Where's my next, Mm. you know, I, especially with capital, you know, a lot of it's about re, you know, using the same characters, um, Mm. you know, not constantly, but, you know, bringing somebody back from a few shoots ago or a year ago or, 10 years ago and, Mm. um, you know, maintaining those relationships and seeing how those people change over time and, you know, how, how they evolve, you know, personally and, and, Mm. and, um, stylistically. And, uh, yeah. So I like that. I like that process. Like, so my Turkish, so like my Turkish client, the, the woman that I mainly work with, um, I think like we met each other, like maybe now, like, um, 
I can't do math. So whatever, whatever to whatever 2021 minus 2014 is, um, se- seven, seven years. Um, seven you know, we, years. unlike, unlike the surface, you know, me and her are like, or her and I are like completely different. I mean, you couldn't, you know, and I think when we met, I don't think maybe we didn't even like each other. Mm. And, and, you know, we, we had nothing in common, <laughs> but we've, you know, I've worked with this woman um, for seven years and we've actually become, I think we've actually kind of become friends. Mm. And like now we actually, you know, to the point that we enjoy, you know, seeing each other and we enjoy working together and we, you know, she kind of has, she's learned to understand me and I've kind of learned to understand her. And it's like, it, it's not, you know, it's, it, it goes both ways and neither of That's us would respect. hang out with each other in like yeah. a normal, like daily situation. But because of like the photo shoots, we've like, um, been forced to, to, to work together and forced mm. to, you know, essentially get along. And, um, but, but to the point now where I, you know, I like her, I like seeing her and it's funny, you know, and it's like, yeah. you know, I like, we've kind of like become, and, and I, I like, I like that kind of, I like that kind of challenge, like to just make friends with somebody that you don't yeah. necessarily, you wouldn't necessarily be friends with. Like, like Kiro and I, that's like an obvious person that I would be friends with. That's just like, to an, explain like, to people who are just like, don't know who Kiro is. So but Kiro, Kiro is the designer of for capital who I've been work since the 45 RPM photo shoot. So I've known Kiro for 20 years maybe more than 20 years and you know but we're you know we're around the same age we're we, we you know similar style it, that's kind of a no-brainer like it, it it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out why Kira and I get along mm. whereas these some of these other people I've made friends with over the years you know on photo shoots they're not they're not necessarily the kind of people I would normally hang out with and I but I like that challenge of like getting to know this person yeah. what, you know what what do we have oh. in common I wonder, like, I'm no shrink or anything, but I wonder if, like, it's a really narcissistic thing to, like, only be friends with people who are similar to yourself. Yeah. Seems a little bit like, seems like the friends pool would be a little bit shallow. Well, the class, the classic scenario is when you meet somebody's, you know, significant other and they look exactly the same, (laughs) you know, like, that's, the classic narcissistic, uh, <laughs> subconscious, um, narcissistic move where, you know, Beautiful. they look, they look. Narcissist staring at, was it a woman or a man in the Greek myth? I think it was a woman. In, in, in the what? Myth in of the Sif- myth. Sisyphus? Oh, in Narcissist. Narcissist. Oh, narcissist. The myth of narcissists, yeah. like looking at him or her or they, their self in the, in the reflection yeah, of the I don't pond. remember. Anyway. Just, just knowing how sexist, like old stories are, it was probably a, a woman, <laughs> a female. Not because <laughs> I think it should be, but just knowing how stereotypical old, old legends are. Um, or how but, we interpret them. Maybe yeah. we are, we yeah, maybe are we're the, the ones, the mm. straight, yeah. boring. Yeah. So, yeah, so I think of, of sexism anyway, keep going. So, so with, yeah, with photo shoots, it's, I mean, obviously it's an important part of my life and um, yeah, I mean, just, just going, you know, going from being this like kind of angry loner to, you know, existing on photo shoots and having mm. to be everybody's pal. <laughs> yeah. And, and, um, but I think that's the beauty of, I think when somebody can use a, say a, a profession or an art form or a craft or whatever, like use that as a tool to express their, their values more so like using that as a tool to express your values rather than 
to strive to be the number one perfect, number one best person in the world doing that field or profession or art form yeah. or whatever seems far more interesting than and and far less exhausting than trying to be the best photographer in the world technically perfect like like who what is that anyway we don't even know what that is but to yeah. me what is in so interesting and beautiful about your work, Erica Vartek, is that it is a tool for to it. It is a tool that really shows a full expression of your values as as a person, rather wow. than like <laughs> rather than just like you striving to be the best portrait photographer, whatever the fuck that you know. Yeah. That means, yeah. I definitely you know. have never striven to be the best photographer in the world. Um, <laughs> I, think, I don't I'm, even know I'm, what that is. What is yeah, that? I don't, I don't, I don't know. Um, right. Maybe a photographer that actually works more and makes more yeah. money. I, I don't know. Um, hey, let's yeah. not be hard on ourselves. Okay. This is COVID's well, it, all about patting ourselves on the back yeah. and saying, but, this is just enough. I'm doing fine. <laughs> well, so some, so something I did during COVID, uh, because, you know, there, there were less jobs is like, I invented some, I just would invent my own jobs, you know, and, and, Sick. and one of the, one of the things I started to do, which I'm still working on, I just ha I have, I've had a little bit of a detour, but I'm, I'm supposedly making my own magazine, um, which I think yes, you know about. I, rem I remember. And I'm still doing it. I just, I got, I got very sidetracked for a while there. Um, had some, we've had some family stuff I've been, you know, kind of working on mm. and, and doing incredibly bad haircuts, which <laughs> I'm not getting, I'm not handling very well. Um, but yeah, so, yeah. So I think that, you know, I just, I've, I've supposedly I I'm making you said this. You've just pretty much spelled out to me so much about yourself and how you've, you've, you, how you've somehow figured out how to find purpose and meaning in life, which is incredible. Um, a lot of us don't yeah. ever get there. That that's perfect. Thank you very much. That's <laughs> you've just answered the, the, the questions of life. Okay. Well, Are we wrapping this up. We're wrapping this up. But, let me um, let me show you let me show you the skateboard. Just yeah, just show me the skateboard. That's second. perfect. If I can get it off the wall. What a beautiful way to end. This, oh, I this love is the, I uh, love the hole. Maybe just unplug your microphone. Yeah, this is oh, the okay. this is the skateboard that somebody left in their backyard. Beautiful. It's like yeah, but I you love can't the it, holes if I in it. If you stood on it, if you stood on it, it would break. But um, anyways, I now have real skate. Now people are sending me real skateboards because I'm challenging myself to skateboard. So um, <laughs> not on that. <laughs> not don't on that. Break, but, and don't break anything because hospital bills sound very expensive. Yeah. Well, I have all the I have all the like the gear, the, the safety gear. gear. So yeah. um, uh, I've only been doing it for really a few days now but i'm learning it's 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 good to challenge yourself like do something i you know i'll make it fast but to do no, something okay. that have no experience at i actually kind of hated skateboarding so it's kind of a process to actually now embrace something that i didn't like was not naturally drawn to so it's yeah. kind of a kind of a cool way to challenge myself and and uh make good looking humans <laughs> Yeah. Who, who defy the defy gravity. Yeah. I mean, my respect for skateboarding actually went from like zero to like a hundred in the last, like just yeah. this last year. The thing um, to me, like the, the biggest respect I have for skateboarders is the fact that like, okay, you see all the sick tricks that they do like on Instagram or on in magazines and stuff, but that's like, the one time out of a billion times that they ate shit, just like mm -hmm. trying to figure out how to do that one trick. But they, 
even no matter how much they hurt themselves, they will keep at it until they get it right, which is like, yeah. to me, the biggest, like, biggest respect for Yeah, and it's not, it's not like surfing where when you wipe out, you fall in the no. water. It's like, it's serious. It's like when you, when you, you wipe out, you're shit. hitting yeah, concrete. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. It's how you break things very easily. Yeah. So it's, 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 yeah, my respect, my respect for that, um, activity was greatly expanded yeah. <laughs> this last year. Yeah. Well, thank you for no, thanks, Lauren. sharing, Eric. This is very beautiful. And I'm so proud to have you as just like uh, an episode on this like purpose and meaning chunk of the painting session. No, thank you. Bye, everybody. Bye-bye. <laughs>